The series that we've been on is called uh, Being a Church After God's Own Heart. And it's amazing if we'll just stop and kind of think back of the lessons that we've heard from this stage, which represent the Word of God, which is really seeking to grow us as leaders. The concept isn't just be a church after God's own heart. The concept was learn how to move from shepherd boy to king like David. Right? That's the concept. And so for us to be able to understand the significance of this, what it's really saying is we're going to be leaders. So I just want you to look around there because we looked at the young people and we said, yeah, those are leaders. Everybody in this room, according to the word of God, is a leader. You're a leader. Look left, look right. You're as good as it gets, folks. That's it. And if we don't see ourselves as leaders, we're really not seeing what uh, God has in store for us. And so the lessons is we look back a little bit. This is what I've learned, just a, a summary. I've learned that suffering produces character. And don't waste your suffering. If we've gone through some hard stuff, don't waste it. Allow God to use it so that we can courageously step out when we need to. That's what I learned. That's huge. I learned from the great Eddie. There's three spears, and you don't have to throw them at people. One spear is step back and let God do his work. Let God love on people instead of throwing spears at people. And Eddie has just such a good word. And then I'm just thinking of the fact that we've looked at it last week even, the concept was that God's holiness is not something for us to take for granted. Don't take God's holiness for granted is what last week's message was. And so this week, just to let you know, we're going to be looking at David wanting to build a temple for God. And so what we're really going to see, here's the, the end of it uh, from the front side, friends, is that God is going to place His holiness in His temple. And by the way, we are His temple. So what we're talking about today is that God's going to allow us to receive His holiness because we are His temple. And that, that's, a, that's a big area to walk in, but that's exactly where we're going today. So I just want you to acknowledge right up front for us to be able to receive the holiness of God. It's going to be a requirement that we receive it. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. So let's put our minds up to say, Lord, I really do want to learn what holiness means and how it is that you can impart that to me. That's the goal for today. Are we ready to increase in leadership? I'm ready to walk out of here, one, five, slam, a jam, a holy person, touched by God to be nothing less than that. If we walk out of here and we're not walking out as the leader God called us to be, we'll have walked out in such a way that is less than what he has for us. And so, friends, his holiness isn't a distant thing that we're striving for. It's an eternal thing that he gives to us. May our spirits be open to receive from God his very holiness because that's what he died for. And so it's a beautiful thing to walk this pilgrimage, and I'm excited to move with you in this. And I want you to know for most of my life, I have fought with the holiness of God. At first, I went through a stage where I fought for it. And what a, what a, I was going to say dumb, but we're not supposed to say dumb. Anyway, what a, what a dumb way to live. <laughs> Friends, you, we're not going to somehow do something so well that God says, wow, Marty, you just crossed the line. Here's all the righteousness. You, you get it now. 
You've, you've really shown yourself. You're shining now. And so look, you get to walk in my holiness. It doesn't work that way, friends. You don't fight for it. You don't live for it. You walk in it. You receive it. And that's what we're going to see. It's a powerful truth today. I love this concept and uh, preaching team. I don't really know what we were thinking when we decided to do a church after God's own heart. I'm looking at Kurt because I think it was his fault. But uh, that's, a, that's a big ask. We want to be a church after God's own heart. And then in this last uh, series, what we're really saying is that David had a heart after God, and we want to have one like that. So the leadership, really, it goes like this, friends. It's that David's ability to move from shepherd boy to king was because of a, it was a direct ratio proportionally to his heart of connectedness to God the Father. When you're connected to God as your father, you're going to move towards that place of being able to really grow in him and be the leader. People loved David. And it wasn't because David was this great personality. He was a shepherd boy. People loved David because he had a shepherd's heart. He loved the father. People saw the father God in David, and they loved him for it. And then when that life of God the Father, the goodness of God shines forth in us, that's when we're walking in the leadership. That's when we're connected. And when the love of God and the life of Christ is not shining through us, that's when we need to stop and receive more of it. Amen. It's just, that's what we're going to see today. And so I'm just acknowledging what an what a easy say to be a church after God's own heart. What a hard do. And the hard do isn't that we're, we're not asking you to do more or work harder. We're asking you to receive to actually stop thinking that it's an imposition on God to make us holy. It's an invitation from God for us to walk in holiness. Imposition versus invitation, that's the difference. And when he went to that cross, that cross was to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. The imposition's been taken care of. It's done. Now the invitation, the cross is now an invitation to walk in holiness. The cross isn't a condemnation of what we did wrong. That's done and over with. Amen. It's time for us to receive the fact that we indeed are his children, that we are the children of promise. We belong to God and his holiness will reign through our lives. That's a shift in thinking. It's got to happen if we're going to be a church after God's own heart. You know what? I think it must really bring God great joy to see us moving down this road. And I was just thinking the way it started is that God created a garden. And in that garden, he would invite Adam and Eve to come to walk with him in the cool of the day. Remember that? And he said, come, and I want you to come to my table. I've, I've prepared a special meal for you. And that meal was the tree of life. Now, listen, I've got a life group, and we throw it down. There are some good cooks in our life group. In fact, I probably ate more than I needed to this morning because we meet on Sunday mornings. But can you imagine being a part of a life group that ate from the tree of life? That's what he did. And Adam and Eve, they went and they ate and they said, yeah, it's pretty good, but I think we're going to reject this meal and go to the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead. So, so they, they would rather insult God by biting or taking a, a bite of the apple of knowledge instead of the truth and life and love of God. 
And from that point on, I really believe God's just looking around and saying, come on, people, you got to get it. Come after me because I am truth. Come after me because I am the liquid love that you need. Come after me with all your heart. That's what he's looking for. And if we're looking to be able to go to the apple to look for a little lust and rust, it's not going to happen. All this stuff of the earth that tantalizes our eyes results in either lust or rust. And that's, that's just, that's the dead end. And so today it's being able to look at him and saying, okay, Lord, here we are. We want you to feed us. And he's going again. It's no position for me to feed you. Because when I set a table for you, it's going to be the tree of life. And so let's go with that today. I want you to look at uh, the last message that uh, Kurt spoke of in terms of embracing God's holiness. And I want us to agree that to take God's holiness for granted is a sin. It's just wrong. It's counterproductive to anything. We need to see God's holiness as the one. I mean, it's the greatest gift. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else will be added, right? And so, I mean, it's really no different. If we are ignoring God's gift of righteousness and holiness, we're going back to that tree of knowledge of good and evil or, or the lust and rust. And it is sin. It is wrong. It's literally dumb. Friends, we are eternal beings. God made us, and he even placed eternity in our heart as a placeholder so that nothing else could touch that spot. It's there. It's in us. Nothing else will ever fill that spot because he built us with it. It's in our heart. And it's a placeholder for the very life of his son and the spirit of the living God to dwell. Amen. Nothing gets to dwell there except that. That's how he's made us. And I'm so grateful I need to be made that durable. Because if not, I'm bouncing around. And so again, we're, at, we're coming to that place of understanding what his intentions are. His intentions are to cause us to walk with him. It's amazing. All right. So now we get to this and we start thinking of the holiness. We look at David and he was, he got angry at God because one of the people that he loved got killed. Uzzah, they're bringing in the ark. Remember that? And then it, they're doing it wrong. They're not following the protocol. And sure enough, something goes wrong. And who's out of the, probably the good intentions of his heart, reaches out, touches it, and he dies because he touched the full power of God at that place. And it, and it, and it killed him. And then there was a, a delay. And then they said, wait a minute. We're not going to let this setback keep us from being able to have the presence of God in our city. So they bring it back in. And then David, what we're going to see today, says, in fact, not only do I want the ark, of the covenant, the very presence of God in the city of David, but I want to build a house for it. And I can't help but to think of God smiling and going, man, look at these guys. They're overcoming some hardship, and they want me. They're going to build me a temple. And it, to me, it feels kind of like what we did here. It really does. We started with this uh, desire to have a church in Lakewood to be a, a healthy, spirit-filled church. That was our goal. And then we looked for buildings to put it in. And then God led us here to the people's plaza. And it doesn't even look like a church building. Look around. I mean, we've done the best we can, but this is the least looking church, church building I've seen. <laughs> and that's what he did with us. And, 
And do you remember what it was like to be downstairs in that little room and then to be the lobby people sitting outside in the cold? The only thing that was good about being lobby people was looking up and just seeing the sky, because that's kind of nice, isn't it? Of course, you needed a blanket, but anyway, it's still pretty nice. Friends, that was just two months ago. We were lobby people. And it's a beautiful thing that we've wanted to build something good for God. But you're going to learn today that God's not looking for a place. He's looking for the placeholder in the very core of our heart. His desire is to live in the innermost being of his people where there is no boundary. There's no limit to what he can do through us. This building is a building, and one day the lights will go out, and all these things, it'll deteriorate. But inside, you and me, the living God, is going to go from glory to glory to glory. And I just want to say, I'm getting happy up here. That's the way it really works. And anything less than that is less. And so it's a beautiful thing. So we want to build him a temple just like we wanted this to be a beautiful place. Will you see today that this gets to be a beautiful place? This is the beautiful place he wants to land. And there's going to be two things that are going to take place for that to happen. And number one is we're going to have to understand that literally, as crazy as it is, that God's holiness is a relationship with his people. God's holiness is a relationship. It's not behavior. It's not religious piety. It's not a place. God's holiness is a relationship. We're going to see it over and over in the Word of God today. And then number two, we're going to see that God desires to place his life in the heart of people. Those are the two things. Are you ready for the journey? Amen. Let's go. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 1. I mean 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 7. Now it came about. Are we going to have the verses? The, sli the slides are. Uh, yeah. All right. So you get to listen in. In old school, you can open your Bibles. In new school, look in your, open this Bible. But I'll read it. 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 7. Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But in the same night, how many of you know when the word of God begins with but, that that means pause and listen? There's going to be a change. Verse 4, but in the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You are the one who should build me a house to dwell in? Question mark. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent, even in a tabernacle. Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, which I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? You know what God's doing? He said, hey, David, let's rethink this. It's in your heart to build a house for me because I've been so good to you. It's not in my heart. 
to live in a temple. I'd rather live in a tent. I'd rather go camping where it's dirty than be in that pretty temple. I'm, he said, and he uses examples. When we were out in the wilderness, I was in the, in the tent, sometimes even in the small tent, the tabernacle portion of it. I was being carried around. I was in the dirt. I was in everyday life. And I kind of liked it. Maybe you should ask me before you try to put me in a box somewhere where people have to come to me instead of me getting to be with the people. And you go, I'm sorry. I love your thought, David. But think of it. Did I ever ask for this? And then he even says elsewhere in, scriptures, in Scripture, how are you going to build a house for me when the whole world is nothing but my footstool? I don't fit in that little containment that you're looking for. And friends, I would suggest to you that we're getting ready to move towards Resurrection Day. And when we move to Resurrection Day, what happened is that we've had Jesus and we put him on a cross and then we put him in a cave and we buried him dead and dead couldn't hold him. He broke out of dead. Oh, and not only did he break out of that cave that we put him in, come on, but he also broke out of the box that we put him in in the Holy of Holies. That temple curtain was torn from top to bottom and he got out. And some people will say, you see, that proves we all now have access to the very throne of God. No, the throne of God is in here. That's where he's putting it. He's building his temple right in here. We don't want to put him in a box. We want to open up the closed portions of our heart and let him in here because that's what he wants. It's an amazing truth. I'm just, I'm literally floored at how big God is. And I'm so grateful that he literally can take the spirit of the living God and cause him to live in this heart right here. I don't even know how he does it, but he does. Because he is what? God. And he wants to live where? In his people. So what I want to acknowledge is if you can walk with me for a moment to see God's holiness as a relationship with his people. We're going to understand this better. Let me tell you this. For, I'm so thankful. As, uh, yeah, Brent, you're Rabbi Brent. The Ten Commandments are amazing. I don't know if you know the Ten Commandments. But the first, you know, some of us don't. I, I, in fact, if I had to recite them right now, I'm, uh, well, I'll probably be able to do it. But I know this much, that the first four, let's go. Number one, no other gods before God. Number two, no idols, no graven images. Number three, don't take his word in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. holy. And so those are all about a right relationship with God. The Ten Commandments aren't rules to follow. They're a relationship guideline with the Most High God. And then the last six, so number six, honor your mother and your father, your parents, so that, days, so that your days will be blessed. We did that right here in this building today. But that's about relationships, family. And then it just goes on. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. What am I missing? I think that, is that it? All right. They're all, they're all relationship building. And we look at it sometimes like, if I can keep these things, I'll be holy. No, they're just a code. That you can never keep them. But there's a God who will lead us in them. 
And so we're able, we're able to see the Ten Commandments as a relationship, but they were a pathway to the holiness. They're a pathway to the heart of God. Let's love people this way. In fact, Jesus himself said, I'll take all those commandments and I'll put them together in two. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Are those relational or what? It doesn't get more relational than that. Why? Because holiness has always been about a right relationship with God, of walking with Him in the cool of the day, not rejecting His offer for a stupid apple of knowledge of good and evil so we can go play with lust and rust. It's always been that. And sometimes what we do is we say, okay, now that we know God or we've given our desire to find out more about Him, let's go live a holiness code and we put the behavioral rules back. And it won't work. It just results in religious people. Holiness has more to do, friends, with God's work and gift than it does to do with ours. We need to learn that the real position to grow in holiness is the place of receiving. And so I just invite you even right now just to say, Lord, I really want to receive your holiness. I'm so tired of trying to earn it or walk in it or run away from it or whatever. I just want to receive it. But before you do that, I want you to look at anybody you can right now who came with or anyone else. And I just want you to look at them for a moment and just sit there and think, wow, that person next to me has the opportunity to house the spirit of the living God. Would you just look at one another and do that? Just look around. Are they looking any better yet? <laughs> Come on. Holiness has more to do. And so that's the relational piece. Now I want to say this. Holiness has more to do with seeking God's presence than it does a position or power. And I love this passage, and I'm just going to read it to you, but it's 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. And this is the great Elijah. Remember how Elijah's life ended? Chariot of fire. You know, you know you're doing pretty good in God's holiness when he sends a chariot of fire to pick you up. Come on. And so God picked him up. And, and this, is, this is part of the pilgrimage that he went through. 1 Kings 19, 11, 13. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of gentle blowing. Guess what, guys? No but. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out, and he stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? If, if that's not relational and amazing what is, God could have said, Man, why'd you run away? Why'd you get cowardly? What is going on? Did I not give you enough power before? What is wrong with you? He could have said all those things. And he said, Hey, Elijah. What are you doing here? And Elijah had to stop and think, I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I'm seeking your presence. I'm seeking your presence. And this is what I gain from this myself, is that if we seek the presence of God, then whatever power is necessary comes with it. Right? 
if we'll just seek the presence of God, whatever else is necessary to allow us to live a life that's pleasing to God will come with it. Sometimes he'll give us this, the spirit of overcoming to be able to deal with suffering so that he can do some amazing things in our life. Sometimes we'll go through a hardship and it won't go away like Paul got it. He said, Lord, if you could just take away this stuff, I'd be better off. And then what's he get? Another thorn in his side to make it harder so that he can rely on the grace of God. Sometimes it might be that. But I'd rather receive what God has for me than to try to create a man-made substitute for it. This is where you just stand up and you just say, hallelujah, we got it. I'd rather receive what God has for me than to be able to have a man-made or fabricated substitute than what God's offering. That's how the presence of God works. And Jesus said it the exact same way. In fact, this is a prequel to what Jesus said when he says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? His righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. If you're trying to seek our own righteousness to get things from God, then we've gone backwards. And I love one of the things that Curtis said. He said, God is no genie in a bottle. And if we're going the other route, that's what we're doing. I did good enough. Now, Jeannie, come do this for me. And he just, thank God he refuses to work that way. Because why would he want to be a genie in the bottle when he's really looking to be enthroned in our hearts? All we have to do is say, God, I give you this throne. I take myself off of it. You come be at the throne of my heart. And that's what I'm for. And that's number two. And number two is see yourself as the house he wants to dwell in. How am I doing for time? Great. Am I done? Go, preach it. No. <laughs> nobody, nobody tries harder than I do to preach short sermons. <laughs> I know. You guys, that, that didn't sound very good, did it? <laughs> Friends, when God said he wants to live in our heart, to me it's no different than what he said to David. I kind of like being in the tent. Let me tell you my perception of this. Why does he want to live in our heart? Because he wants to be close. He wants to be real close. And he knows us. Friends, he made us out of what? Dirt. And so we go like this. But you can't live in my heart because I've got these dirty little secrets. He's going, I don't care. I made you from dirt. dirt. Dirty little secrets don't bother me. My hands are already dirty when I made you in the first place. But Lord, if you go in there in my heart, then you're going to be digging into some really bad hurts. I love to dig. I dug into some good dirt when I made you. And I even breathed my life into you, dirt face. Literally. And we're like, oh, it would be such an imposition. for No, it's not an imposition. That's where I want to live. Will you open up your heart so I can come in and take my rightful place? But if I come in, I can't take second place because I'm God. Yes. I only know how to be God. Yes. So let me in. And I'll deal with your sin. I'll deal with the lust. I'll deal with the rust. But let me in. Yes. And I'll deal with your suffering and I'll deal with your pain. And I'll give you this strength to be able to walk with me again the way it was supposed to be before you rejected me and went after the tree of knowledge of good and evil what you wanted. And you can see this in 2 Samuel 
Where then it reads this, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, Israel. I love this. Hey, I saw you when you were shepherd boy, and I liked what I saw. You stunk like sheep, little David. But you were a man after my own heart. I saw it. And I wanted to live there, and you let me. And so I moved you from being shepherd boy to be king. And now I just want you to be a king. You'll see this in the end. Who has a shepherd's heart? That's all it takes. And oh, by the way, we can't make a shepherd's heart. We receive it from the one who was the shepherd of all. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name. I will make you a great name. Let me in. All right. So now I, I just want to, we're going to close in just a few minutes. I Just give me a few more minutes and then we will. But um, when I was a young man uh, at age uh, 19, I was uh, asked to go to a conference on how to evangelize in Dallas, Texas. When I went there, they said, you, you've got to be able to understand the Roman road. And so for one day, they made us memorize verses. And anybody heard of the Roman road? You're going to memorize the Roman road. And then on day two, we're going to send you out into Dallas, to the streets. And you're going to knock on doors. And you're going to take the Roman road. And you're going to convince people to become Christians. That's what they said. I won't even tell you the organization. It's the national one. But that's how they did it. All right? And so they quit me, all right, and I've got a pretty good memory. If I can remember it today, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man confesses resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. They turned me loose, and I knocked on a bunch of doors and made a lot of people mad. <laughs> I did. Man, I was on fire. I was telling them what it was. And finally, this one guy said to me, he goes, why are you here? And I honestly felt like God saying to Elijah, Marty, what are you doing? I was like, I'm winning people to you. It's... No. You're doing the Roman road. The last guy actually said this. I would pray that prayer just to get you to leave. And that, yeah. you, know, you know you failed when they tell you that. So then we go back, and guess what, guess what this organization did? They said, how many people did you win to the Lord? So they counted success based on how many people said yes to that pressure of the Roman road. So as you can tell, I'm not a very imposing person. Not as an individual in my own stature. I'm five foot ten and three quarters. Go, Russell Wilson. <laughs> All right. But I'm not somebody who's going to force anything on anyone. I really don't. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to go down with truth. But I can't impose people because God's inviting them. Because this is what I really did learn. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. 
And then with the mouth, we acknowledge it, we confess it, and we step forward in salvation. What I want to be able to make sure I communicate to people today is that it doesn't matter what messes we've walked through. It doesn't matter. Because we've all walked through the mess. We're all messy. We've all gone sideways. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw us at our worst state and said, that's where I'm going to live one day. I'm going to live right there in the middle of Marty's messed up little heart. The heart is desperately sick. Remember I shared that with you three, six months ago when we were preaching? But the Lord, Jeremiah 17, 9, one of the scariest verses. I've shared my three scariest verses before. And the, the fact that the heart is desperately sick is one of the scariest. But God has to get into that heart that we think is so great and make it great. And the only way to do that is for you and I to get off the throne of our heart and recognize that we want to receive his love, his grace, and his goodness. Here's what I'm going to conclude with, friends, is that when he gets in there, your heart that was hard, my heart that was hard, will now become a throne of his grace. Actually, grace will come out of it. That's what he's looking for. So can I just do a little bit of fun thing here as Isaac comes forward? And I want to move us from the Romans road to what I'm now calling. And, and friends, I'm a Southern Baptist. Is this cool or what? I woke up. I woke up. And I want to invite you to the Corinthians calling. Instead of the Romans road, we're going to go down the Corinthians calling. Are you ready? All right. Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Hey, church, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That'll wake us up. If any man destroys this temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Wow! That's the call of God through the book of Corinthians. The way it gets better. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? and whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. We're not our own. We're not alone. Oh, wait, one more. There's actually three more, but we only have so much time. 2 Corinthians 6.16. Where what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I hate this microphone. Oh my gosh. Can you see me exploding without this thing in my hand? Oh my gosh. I'm walking among the temple of God that knows no bounds. We are in the people plaza but we're not tied up here. Jesus. We're free to be able to walk with God, to carry his life to a people that need to know his love. And we're the conduits of his great grace and truth. The Corinthian calling, I'm asking you today to receive Holy Spirit in your life where he belongs. 
Maybe you, like me, thought, man, you just need to walk the Roman roads and pray the prayer. I really hope you've walked that Roman road. I hope that you prayed the prayer and that you meant it with your heart. But today I'm asking us to go one step further and just say, Spirit of the living God, take your place right here. And you receive that. His eyes are on us right now. His eyes are on us. He's looking to and fro to see who's going to say, yes, Lord, I'm open. For he says it this way. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And that's not just for salvation. That's for an opportunity to be transformed by the presence of God. He does an inside job because he knows it works. <laughs> Will, I just wanted to say thank you to you today. You know that I'm usually the guy over there trying to dance and show some love in this place. Glory to God. Thank you, man. You touched my heart today because you weren't confining God to a specific way of loving him today. Thank you. Our church is different because of this family. Our church is different because of Daniel and that family. Our church is different because of Brent, Sue, Emerson. Oh my gosh, look what he's doing in here. But it's him. It's his spirit in each of us. That makes his church what a joy. I bless you.